Thank you, Joe. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I am thrilled and honored uh, to be here this morning um, and and be a part of the first weeks of the life of this church. Two reasons, two main reasons. First of all, I'm a huge Jeff Jakes fan. I've always been a huge Jeff Jakes fan. Um, and and there's, there is something that was just not right in the universe if he was not pastoring a congregation. I've never, I've seen few people with more natural pastoral skills and encouragements and, and, and um, uh, social capabilities uh, than Jeff Jakes. I've always loved this man. And so just being able to support uh, anything he's doing, but especially a church startup. And this is the second reason. I love the idea. I, I, you know, I, I've, I've never been much of a fixer-upper. Um, um, it, it, for me, starting fresh has something of a potential to build something that's never been before. Um, and so rather than, sometimes rather than just try to correct all the errors of the church, just to, just to start again from the foundations and build something with God that he is putting together in a fresh new way, that thrills me. Um, and so I'm honored to be here this morning. Jeff um, texted me early this morning. I get this when I preach, when I go out and preach for uh, 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 congregations, usually the pastor early Sunday morning will say, praying for you, he'll text me. <laughs> Which is a reminder, don't forget you're preaching for me this morning. <laughs> be sure to show up. So anyhow, um, but let me, let me, Jeff told me um, that you had spent the first four weeks kind of on the core values of the church. And so I thought, well, maybe I can just add a little bit um, in, in building what I think is the core function of the church. Um, I, I, I think the core business of the church is relationships. Um, whether relationship with God, I love this, by the way, for the glory of our great God and the good of our neighbor. This is an awesome, these are two awesome banners, two great intentions. Uh, but I want to talk, I'm, now you have a scripture in, in your, in your uh, a scripture reference, and we're going to get there, but it's, we're going to meander there, all right? We're going to walk there together. Uh, and by the time we get there, it'll mean all the more to us because we have spent a little time meandering. Uh, and so here's what I, I, I told him I wanted to preach on. I want to preach on righteousness um, because as Paul and Elizabeth Actemeyer, these are two, they're, they're both with the Lord now, but uh, I think, but, but they did, uh, they're both academics. Uh, they were a married couple. Um, I think... Um, she took the New Testament, he took the Old Testament. I'm not sure, but they did a, a, a study in the Interpreter's Dictionary of the Bible. Um, they did a study uh, on the word righteousness, everywhere it was used in Scripture, to find out what, how the Scripture used the word righteousness. And this 
is the definition they come up with. They come up with a definition of righteousness, when it's used in Scripture, is meeting the demands of a relationship, whether with God or with people. Meeting the demands of a relationship. So here's what I'd like to plant in this freshly sprouting church. I'd like us to think about meeting the demands of potential relationships as well as the relationships we have. All right? And so let me, let me get there by saying we were all built for relationships. Now, those of you who listen to me preach every once in a while, this will come with no surprise. This is my core message. I will tell this to everybody that moves. Uh, everything that moves. We were built for relationships because, A, we're made in the image of God, Genesis 1, 26 and 27. And, and God said, Elohim is a plural word used in a singular sense. In other words, God himself is a relationship. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so if we're made in his image, we're not made to be self-contained relationships. We're made for relationships, which is why in the creation story, the only time God says it's not good. Remember how he kept stepping back going, oh, that's good. Oh, that's very good, you know. But he said in Genesis 2.18, it's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper, Hebrew, one who talks back. That's literally the Hebrew. I will make him a helper suitable for him. All right. And, and, and then in this ancient pageantry of the wedding ceremony, he brings her to the man. You know, the father bringing the, the, the bride. I will bring, and she has to come to him because she, she comes from a different place. That's the whole meaning of having relationships. That we are to have relationships intimate enough to be close. That's why among the animals there was not found one suitable for him. They weren't close enough to him to be really intimate. But different enough to be necessary. That's why she had to be brought to the man. Because she could see things and sense things he couldn't see. Now, not everybody's made for marriage. Some people are just made for relationships or, in addition, made for relationships in the church, which is very important. And so we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, that to each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit. You know, all of us, as soon as we believe in Christ, we have, we have um, spiritual gifts. Watch the rest of the sentence, though. For the common good. That is, the giftedness isn't just in us. It is for someone else. And it is to be combined with someone else. So that 1 Corinthians 12, 21. That I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. We're all members of the body. We can't say to each other, I have no need of you. So we are made for complementary with an E, completing, complementary relationships. Now watch this. As we, as we, as we go into that, I, I want to relieve you of some pressure here. Because, 
<clears throat> there are some, some, some of you are saying, okay, but I just, you know, number one, I'm an introvert. Me too. You know, I'm an introvert. Believe it or not, I really am. I, uh, this, uh, I love being around people. Then I got to go take a nap. Because it just, it just drains me. Uh, and and there, are pe- there are people I know that Vernon, for, for example, my, my, the pastor I worked with for years, was a total extrovert. He'd get, filled, he'd get energized by being around people, you know? And I just go, how do you do this? I just had to, okay. But I, I, so, so, so there are some of you who are saying, okay, made for relationships. Am I bad if I, if I don't want to develop that particular relationship, because that person just irritates me. Let me just relieve you here. You don't have to develop a relationship with everybody. Not everybody fits, all right? And it's okay. I, I, the, one of my favorite stories is uh, um, the story about these, the, the teacher who was teaching her students how to write paragraphs, and she decided she wanted to walk in, and this is like fourth or fifth grade, I can't remember what grade you, you uh, learned to write a paragraph, but she said, walks in, she said, children, I want you to write a, a, a romance story in, in, in programs, you know, in paragraphs. And, and, and of course, the, the boys at that age don't want, you know. So, um, <clears throat> so, so she said, go ahead, and uh, in about, Oh, maybe three minutes. Um, Freddie just laid his pencil down. And she saw it. And she said, Freddie, are you done already? She said, he said, yep. She said, would you like to stand up and read your romance story to the rest of the class? And so Freddie stands up and says, he said, will you marry me? She said, no. And they lived happily ever after. (laughs) You know, there's some people that is just better off if the answer is no. It's okay. You don't have to be friends with everybody. But there are certain things that we need to understand. Um, when, we, when we come to that, there's the, that, that verse in Ecclesiastes. I love this. You know, um, there's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. There are also people to embrace and people to refrain from embracing. If they're not your cup of tea, they're somebody else's cup of tea. So you don't have to, you don't have, to have the same level of relationship with everybody. And it's important, by the way, that if they're not your relationship, they're not your preoccupation or responsibility. See, some people say, well, if I can't have a relationship with them, then I've got to worry about them. No, you don't. The the outcome of their life is not your responsibility. If you're not in there with them every day, if you can't do anything, let it go. Let them go. Especially let them go if there's somebody who has hurt you. and, and, And so that kind of severed the relationship. Let them go in, in, in two terms. First of all, let them go with a blessing. Say, God, I, I, I don't want anything bad to come. I, I, I want you to bless them and develop them and do whatever you need to do with them. Because I don't want to hold hate in my heart. All right? 
So if you let people go, let them go with a blessing. Because if you don't, you'll carry it around. You will carry it around. That's why it says in Romans chapter 12, it says, it says, uh, um, don't, uh, well, let me read it to you. I, I marked it in here. Romans 12, uh, and I love this, I love this whole chapter, but it says, it says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. Now, peace here is, is not just our uh, uh, irony. It, it is, um, it is in, in Hebrew, it's shalom. It's you want them to prosper, all right? So you, you want them to have maturity. You want them to become a blessing. And so it says, be at peace as far as it depends on you. Now, watch this. If you're not walking alongside with some, somebody, it doesn't depend on you every day. So the best thing you can do is let them go with a blessing, all right? It's, it's, so it says, as far and, and do not take revenge, but leave room for the wrath of God. This is, this is good. Uh, leave room for the wrath of God, um, um, for it is written, it is, it is mine to repay. Our, uh, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Now, here's the deal. If you've been hurt by somebody, let's just talk about relationships, because many times the relationships that spring up to our mind are, are those that have, that have affected us the most emotionally. And those are either the good ones or the bad ones. And frankly, just between you and I, the ones that surface regularly are the ones that have hurt us. Um, and and there, there are regrets and there are, you know. So, so let's just deal with that. Because if we're talking about meeting the demands of a relationship, we've, we've, got, to, we've got to know what, what demands God has for us on those relationships. Here's the demand he has. Let them go with a blessing um, 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 for several reasons. Um, first of all, you have to know the reason that they come up in the first place. The, the reason that these memories come up is because we have a tendency to want to manage the entire world and we want to manage the past as well as the present and you can't manage the past. And we keep thinking, it. well, maybe if they surface, you know, then maybe we can, we can you know, go over and somehow reconcile them, reconcile what happened. No, you can't. Seriously. You got to let it go. I, you, those of you who hear me preach regularly, there's the law of the water skiing rope. The law of the water skiing rope is this. When you fall, you've got to let go. You've got to let go of the rope or you will be drugged around by that rope. The same is true of hurt. You've got to let go. First of all, they don't care. They're not the ones that are suffering here. You're the ones that are in bondage. And so for your freedom, you have to let go. And secondly, you've got to realize why God has this, this hurt in here. And the hurt has a purpose. The hurt is not for the purpose of revenge. God can do that way better than you can. And, and he's already promised. It's not like justice won't be done. Justice will be done. God will take care of it. You got to trust him more than you trust you. So that's, one, that's the reason you can let it go. You know, 
You don't have to say, it's not fair, they shouldn't, that's not the, the purpose of those, of that hurt is not revenge, it's empathy. It's empathy. When, when, when Becky was raising our three boys, you know, there were occasions when they were deeply hurt by somebody. And they'd come home and they'd say, they'd tell their mom. And, and, and their mom would say something very unusual. She'd say, I want you to remember that. Well, that's not what her mom says. Her mom says, well, forget it or go punch them or, you know, you know, they're, they're, I never liked their grandmother anyway. Or, you know, something, something slighting, you know, something, you know, to kind of even up. No, their mom would say, remember that. I want you to remember that so that you never make anybody feel like you're feeling right now. It was so that they could empathize. I went um, last night to a um, presentation at Macedonia Church uh, in, uh, in Eatonville, <clears throat> sponsored by, uh, co-sponsored by the Urban League and by the Holocaust Center. Um, and it was a present, it was a, it was a verbal um, um, presentation by the um, by players of Martin Luther King Jr. and Anne Frank and it was gripping I mean it was gripping and here are two two peoples that even today racism huge problem anti-semitism huge problem and, and it was interesting how the tension came in that, in that, that whole um, arena, in that, I'm getting way ahead of myself. I'm just, I'm just letting the Holy Spirit kind of take over here because there was an outline when I started. <laughs> we'll get to the scriptures as, they, as they're meant, but, 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 but let, me, let me say this. There's a, there's a tension between immediate, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me, reconciliation, and the tension that is still needed to enact a more just world. The breakup of systems of power that will not by themselves give up power. You know, we, we've got to look. People usually don't voluntarily give up their own power. Unless they're a whole lot like Jesus. Which is exactly what Jesus did. So if you're like Jesus, you're going to put your power into service, especially of the most vulnerable. Especially of those people who have been left out, who have been hurt. But if you're of the culture... You're not going to do that willingly. And so that's why this week when you saw the brother of the slain um, uh, apartment dweller um, upon the conviction of that police officer for his murder said, I don't wish anything bad for your life. Now this is letting go. This is exactly what letting go with a blessing. I don't want anything bad for your life. 
In fact, can I hug you? And here is this, this grieving brother who crosses the courtroom to embrace the perpetrator. Afterwards, the judge did the same thing. Giving a Bible, you know, did the same thing. And there were two kinds of voices in the land. One was, isn't that great? True reconciliation. That's what Christianity really should be. And the other one was, what in the world are you doing? Is it, are you going to make it that easy? You know, should there be some sense of horrible condemnation? Now, I want to say, I see both sides. Because on the one hand, ultimately, if it's not for reconciliation, what are we doing here? Are we just dividing up and going at war for the rest of our lives? Is that what we want to teach our kids? That's what's happening in our culture right now. A house divided. That's what's happening in our culture right now. And you know what Jesus said about a house divided. But the other side is, there has to be enough discomfort that issues of justice get addressed or we'll avoid them. Most of us are conflict avoidant. And if, if there's not enough discomfort, so, so all of this is to say uh, it's important that we become forgiving people when we've been hurt. Because if, we're, if, we're, if we don't, we're the ones that are in prison. Yeah, by the way, in, in Matthew chapter 18, um, verses, uh, you remember the story about uh, the, the guy who forgave his servant all their, all their debts, and, but the servant wouldn't forgive the others. And, 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 and remember what it says? Um, when the servant refused, it says in verse 30, it says, the master came back and said, wait a minute, I canceled all the debts, all of the debts of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you in anger? His master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he would pay back all he owed. And he said, our heavenly father says, um, that's what's going to happen to you unless you forgive your brothers in your heart. And so it's important in our relationships that we face the relationships that have hurt us with genuine forgiveness and blessing. Never forgetting what it's like to be hurt so that we don't hurt anybody else like that. But here's the other thing. The, now we get to the verse. We're finally getting to the verse. We've walked along together, had a nice little, uh, nice little journey here, uh, but we're going to get to the verse. And the verse is, and, and, and by the way, I talked to Pastor Jake's um, he says this is one of his favorite passages in the, in the Bible. And someday he's going to tell me uh, why. And I can't wait to hear it. Uh, but this is from Luke chapter 8. And I want you to see something very special here. Because this comes back to our point. And I'm coming in for a landing. Don't be afraid. Uh, I'm coming in for a landing. But it comes back to our point of meeting the demands not only the, of the relationships we have. But of the relationships we could have. That's what a growing church does. It considers the relationships they could have. The relationships that they want to be able to make in the future. This is what it says. It, it's talking about the, the, the woman with the issue of blood. 
who, who, as you know, if you've studied scripture, would make her unclean. She had an issue of blood for 12 years, which means she had not been touched by another human being in 12 years because you could not touch someone who was unclean. And, and, and Jesus is, 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 is coming back from someplace. When he returned, a crowd welcomed him. Now, I want, you to, I want you to just think about this for a moment. What kind of person do you have to be for a crowd to surround you? I mean, what kind of congregation do you have to be for a crowd to want to come where you are? What kind of attractional possibilities must you consider? Some of you who have heard me talk before, talk, have heard me talk about my, my, uh, my college days at high University. I was a freshman, and, and, and the dorms, Back then, we had an eating uh, dormitory where, where the boys' dorms and the girls' dorms, they were separate back then, would, would come together. And there were two lines. You could mix boys and girls in the lines, but there were two lines. Both of them had the same menu, same food. Um, and, and so I always got in one line because it was closer to my dorm. Um, and but as 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 the year as the semester went on, I noticed the other line getting longer and longer, and my line getting shorter and shorter. And I thought, what's what's that about? And so, I, but I just thought, you know, the the, the president at, when we first started uh, at the at the inaugural ceremony said, look to your right and to your left, because um, two of you out of that three are going to be gone by the time you get through here. So I just thought that was two out of the three line over there because they were too dumb to get in the short line. But as, as, as the semester went on, my line kept getting shorter. Their line kept getting longer. I'd look. No, we're both being saved, served the same thing. So finally, I went and got in the long line. I said, I got to figure out why these people are standing in a long line. I got this far into the entry door, into the food line, and I knew. The first person to serve you was the meat man. And in this case, his name was Steve. Steve, now remember, these are freshman dorms. Steve greeted every kid. Came, he was a senior. Every freshman that came through. How are you doing today? And every kid, I mean, there were three ahead of me. And the first kid that I, that I could overhear. And the first kid said, I, I'm, I'm, I, I just took my midterms. I think I flunked. I'm just, I'm, I just, I did. And Steve looked at him and said, look, you're a smart kid. I can see it in your eyes. I can remember when I was a freshman, I was afraid I flunked every test. I'm a senior. You did better than you thought you did. Let me find you a big old piece of meat. And, and the next kid, you know, I, I'll never forget this, this little African-American girl. She was a beautiful little girl. And, she, and Steve said, how are you doing today? And she shot tears. I don't mean just shot them out of her. And she said, my boyfriend broke up with me. Steve looked at her and said, are you kidding me? He's either a blind or an idiot. You dodged a bullet 
Oh my goodness, there are going to be so many guys lined up to date you. Let me find a big old piece of meat. Last one, right before, the kid right before me. How are you doing today? And it just, his lips started going like this, you know. Because you can always tell when people are sincere, when they really want to know how you're doing. And the kid goes, I'm, I'm just really homesick. Steve said, I know, I remember, I'm a senior, I was a freshman, I was so homesick. Do you know how proud your parents are of you? That you're sticking this out? That you're going to get your education? They are so proud of you. You're going you're gonna to be, be more adjusted. It's going to get easier. Let me find you back. Well, I knew why that line was that long. Man does not live by bread alone. What kind of person is an attractional person from the standpoint of people just want to be around them? It's the kind of person who leaves their comfort zone and goes into a different environment and lives like they lived, exactly like Jesus did. It's the kind of person who lives among people and is interested in people and loves people who are different than they are. And those people can sense it. I want you to see something. In this scripture, it says, Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet. That's in verse 41. Then, I, then it reintroduces in verse 43 the woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. No one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the hem of his garment. Now, Jarius is a big deal. This woman has the shame that has put, been put on her in society. So much shame, she can't even face Jesus. She has to come up, she has to sneak up and just touch his garment. Which one of those do you think Jesus loved that was in front of him? And behind him. Let me cut to both. Both. But he couldn't forget about this one. Let me ask you something. Who is it that feels unworthy to be in this congregation? There are so many people out there who would love a relationship with God, but they're so ashamed of the lives that they've lived. Mostly because how we've taught them to be ashamed. Could I, just, could I just be honest with you here? The church is the main perpetrator of shame. But what good does that do? Jesus wasn't the main perpetrator of shame. He was the main relief of shame. I've been, I've prayed with the president in the Oval Office on repeated occasions. It has been an honor but I remember one of the first funerals I did when I was a young pastor. I went to the 
cemetery and I got a call about burying a homeless man and it was me I remember I'll never forget this as long as I live he was an old cheap pine box I mean the cheapest thing you can imagine it was me and the funeral director that was it there was no one to claim him there was no name it was just us and I thought God knows his name but as I left that place assured that God would take care of him I had this haunting feeling if he lived in this town why didn't I know him what was there about me that wouldn't let him approach me an old Methodist pastor back at that time our young Methodist pastor to somehow get some help what was there about me right now I'm working with Project Opioid and and just thousands of people are dying from overdoses and they're not getting help you know why because they're ashamed they're ashamed they won't seek help because they don't want their moms and dads to know they won't seek help from the church because they, they couldn't possibly admit it to their church they won't admit it to their friends and so much of it is unintentional addiction here's my question what is there about us that we need to change so that people want to be around us how can we be the kind of encouraging you know we prayed at the beginning of the service help me to choose and nurture life that was the opening prayer to choose and how can we choose and nurture life and then in verse 47 I close with this Jesus said who touched me see he didn't he never saw a crowd he saw people we tend to categorize we tend to talk in crowds he never saw he saw an individual who touched me of course they all Peter said good grief everybody <laughs> and Jesus said no someone touched me and the woman knowing that she could no longer go unnoticed came and fell at his feet just the way Jairus the powerful synagogue leader had done and he pronounced her this is very important he pronounced her clean so she could now be touched that woman hadn't been hugged in 12 years she could now be How is it that we can pronounce people huggable? How can we bestow worth 
and validation beyond what any institutional religion can do. Institutional religion is fine. But Jesus went way further into individual love and care. Let that be the character of this congregation. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for this word. We know it's for us. Thank you for the story of the woman who would not give up. Let us go out to the people who have given up. We pray in the name of the shepherd who left the 99 and went after the one, Jesus Christ. Amen.